welcome to the season. <laughs> now, um, well, you've heard of the elf on the shelf, yes? <laughs> Pastor on the podium. Okay? Minister on the microphone. Leader at the lectern. Welcome to the season. You like the way my elf friends decorated everything? Doesn't it look lovely? Yep, yep. We got it all decorated, and it's in keeping with December's, you know, theme for the month. Everything is holly now. Right? I'm sorry, what? Oh. Well, that makes more sense. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Everything is holy now. Oh, well. Here we are in a new month. Everything is holy now. Thank you very much. And today's talk is Seeing Sunday. So here we are. Here we are having fun seeing Sunday. We're going to discuss how we do see Sunday, how, how we experience Sunday, and how we can take this Sunday feeling with us for the rest of the week. Because really, isn't that what you do, right? Don't you come here? You know, why do you attend vision? I mean, it can't be just for this, you know. But <laughs> why do you attend vision, right? For the great music. Nathan, thank you so much for the great music, right? And the great band. Uh, for the inspiration. Why, why else do you attend vision? For the friendships that we form here, yes? For the snacks, yes. <laughs> For the hospitality, we attend to be part of a spiritual community, don't we? We attend to be, to be part of something greater than, our, than ourselves. Um, we attend to, I don't know, maybe get out of the house for a little while. <laughs> what else? What, why else do we attend, Kristen? To regain sanity. That's right. All kinds of reasons we attend. We get dressed, we come in on a Sunday morning to get together to be with each other right? There are all kinds of reasons. I'm sure we each have our own. But I am fairly sure that you do not come here to feel bad, right? I, I just know that. You know, we come together to feel light, to be in, in lifted, to be inspired. We don't attend to be beat up, right? We don't attend to be guilt-ridden. We come to be uplifted and to have fun while we're doing it. I mean, fun is always good. Joy is a quality of God, right? And that's, for me, that's what Seeing Sunday is all about. All of these emotions that we get when we're here, all of the, all of being refilled. Don't we get refilled for the rest of the week? And that's, and that's what we do, and that's why we come together. So that's what Seeing Sunday is all about, seeing what a gift it is in our lives. Seeing Sunday can perhaps be the best part of our week sometimes, can it? It's time to stop, to be still and meditate. It is a time to socialize and celebrate. It is a time to break bread and communicate, right? It is a time to be with each other in all of our authenticity, knowing we're not going to be banished <laughs> or rejected, right? This is a place where we love unconditionally. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be able to take into our week, right? To be that in the world. 
So, so the question is right now, what does the rest of your week look like? What does the rest of your week look like? Do we bring the Sunday vibe with us wherever we go for the rest of the week? Or does it wear off when you leave the, the room or when you leave the day, right? When we leave the building, does it wear off? And if it does, then the next question is, how do we keep that Sunday vibe alive all week long? How do we do that? Ernest Holmes said, every day I must believe that I am receiving, receiving divine guidance and inspiration. And every day I must declare guidance, inspiration, and power are mine. I must learn to believe that I exist at the very threshold of limitless opportunity. That's what we discuss here. That's what we know here. That's the principle of new thought, isn't it? That God is good all the time. That there are no powers of evil that are battling back against us. There, are no, there is no duality in the world. That God is the good that we are, and God is good all the time. And we have to remember that, and we have to know that. And you know, sometimes it slips through our fingers, doesn't it? Just slips through our fingers like mercury, and we forget. And there are ways, large and small, that we sabotage ourselves and our own progress and our own goals when we forget. When we forget, we can subtly or overtly undermine ourselves with old beliefs that no longer apply, and they're still running in the background of our minds, aren't they? At an at a, at a, a almost unconscious level. They might be running in the background of our lives, but they're still wrecking havoc. They're still limiting us. They're still doing things that we necessarily don't want to see out pictured in our lives. Um, I read a book this week, which I love, 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 and... Checking to see if there's any kids in the room. Anyway, it's Gary John Bishop, who wrote a book. I'm not even going to tell you the name of that one because it's the F word. Um, it's called Un-F Yourself. Okay, it's a great book, and it's wonderful. But this new one that he just wrote was called um, Stop Doing That Shit. Okay? Stuff, right? Stop Doing That Stuff. Um, end self-sabotage and demand your life back. Oh, it is an awesome book. He discusses how our past limits our experience of our present, how it colors our present with our not-enoughness stories of our past. Whatever they happen to be. In fact, he says this. This is a quote from his book. Your past dominates your potential. You don't live a life of anything is possible. You live a life of some things are possible given my past. Ew. Yeah, it sounds awful, doesn't it? Some things are possible given my past. We limit our expression based on what has been, not what can be. And what has been is always from the past, always, right? And, and Mr. Bishop says that there are three things in our lives. There are three saboteurs, he calls them, that keep us from living this fully self-actualized life that we desire and we deserve, that we've inherited from, from the divine. He said there are three things that undermine us. And, and uh, those three things are what we believe to be true about ourselves, what we believe to be true about other people, 
and what we believe to be true about life. And they're great questions, and these beliefs need to be explored by us. We need to find out what those three things are in our life. What is that to you? What does that mean to you? Because the answer to some of those questions can be limiting your experience of life. And I think, by and large, we, we carry within us subtle or not so subtle versions of um, not good enough, right? Not, well, not even not good enough, but just not enough, right? And when we answer the question about ourselves, what do, I, what do I think is true about myself? And a lot of times that answer is I'm not good enough or I'm not something enough. You know, what is that particular saboteur whispering in your ear, right? When you say, I am, I am. It's important to spend some time with that question and find out what those automatic responses are. What are those, what are those responses that you can pull up from the, from the musty and dusty and ancient past, you know, called your childhood, right? You're not smart enough. You're not athletic enough, you're not whatever enough. Because those little things that are whispering in your ear are, are limiting the outpicturing of your life today. The next big question is, what do you believe to be true about other people? What do you believe to be true about other people? I know we love each other here unconditionally, right? We are just so in love with each other. But what do you believe to be true about other people, right? Are they to be trusted? Are they kind? Do they care, right? Do other people matter? What do you believe to be true about other people? Can you depend on them? All kinds of things come to the surface, you know? Particularly Americans, because we're so, you know, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Yay, we'll do it all by ourselves. We're just all islands. So does that mean we don't trust anybody to help us? We don't want anybody to help us? We don't ask for help, right? Spending time in this question will lead you to that answer of what you believe to be true about other people. I used to think people couldn't be trusted. <laughs> it was a thing. You know, we all go through everything. Oh, no. Oh, should I tell you that story? I don't even know if I should tell you that story. Anyway. Oh, sure. Let me tell you. You, you can sit through this one, right? It's about my husband. Um, <laughs> my first husband. You know those little things? You know those little, oh, fall back and I'll catch you. You know that little trick? I love that. I love that one. Oh, fall back, the trust thing. Oh, fall back, I'll, I'll catch you. Well, I fell back and he stepped aside really quickly. <laughs> and he looked over me and said, I've given you a great lesson today. Never trust anyone. <laughs> so I kept that one for a while, okay? Anyway, so, so there's an underlying thing. See, that was one I had to, I had to pull up and, and heal, right? So there are lots of things like that we experience, right? And we have to pull them up from the ancient, dusty little corners of the basements of our minds. And we have to heal them. We have to heal them. So the last question is, what do you believe to be true about life? What do you believe to be true about life? You know, Ernest Holmes said that the universe has our back, right? That we're in a loving, supporting place. But what did you grow up believing is true about life? Does the universe really have our back? Is that what's down there in the deep, dark recesses? Or is it a cold, cruel world? You know, dog eat dog and all that stuff, right? You work your life and then you die. All those other expressions that maybe we grew up with in our household. We ask these questions to explore what lies beneath. What lies beneath the, the cute and sweet and light affirmations and the, you know, 
fun things. Underneath, in the dark, in the, in the hidden recesses of our consciousness, you know, there may be stuff that is informing our decisions without our knowledge. So we're asking those questions to shine the light on them, to bring them out of the darkness. Carl Jung said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Right? So we want to shine the light on these dark places. We want to shine the light on these hidden beliefs. It's up to us to explore that in our minds and because, because everything that we think colors the way we see the world. It colors the way we see Sunday. It colors the way we see every other day of the week. Right? Those hidden beliefs, they color how we see our entire world. And Marcus Aurelius said the soul is dyed with the color of its thoughts. So you become that. You become those, those thoughts. And it is in our best interest to take those unknown and bring them into the, the known, sometimes kicking and screaming. But we have to bring them into the light, to shine the light on our, on our unconscious places. And by illuminating them, identify them. Those hidden beliefs that maybe are limiting our expression of how good life can be for us. When we know what we're thinking, we can change what we're thinking, right? Ernest Holmes, change your thinking, change your life. That's our tagline for the whole movement. Change your thinking, change your life. And Wayne Dyer said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change, which means the conditions around us, right? And we say that when we're in prayer, the Miracle Minute. Right? When we change how we're thinking, when we change how we're praying, when we change how we are affirming, the things around us change. So we've identified those three little saboteurs. Right? What we believe to be true about ourselves, what we believe to be true about other people, and what we believe to be true about life. And now here's the interesting part of all that. It's just our beliefs. They're not truth. They are not truths. They are just beliefs that are holding us back. Right? It's not, it's not a principle. Oops, <laughs> they're not there anymore. Sorry. They're, <laughs> they're not qualities of God. They're not principles, right? They are just our own personal beliefs based on past, and they are not absolute truths, those things that are holding us back. So what do we do? We fight against them, don't we? We beat them up and we wrestle them to the ground. We, no. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't do any of that stuff. Remember, remember that old the cliche about what you resist persists, right? What you resist persists. So we don't fight against them. That's not going to do anything. The second part of that phrase, you know, what you resist persists, says what you embrace you can transform. That's the second part of that. And what you embrace you can transform. So that's what we do. We transform them. We embrace them and we blow right by them like they're not a stop on our bus route. We just blow right by them. We don't continue to let them make decisions for us, right? Again, going back to the book, uh, Mr. Bishop said this. He said, real breakthroughs become available in your life when you interrupt yourself <laughs> and your automatic responses to whatever life is presenting you with. 
when you interrupt yourself, because that's when you go on automatic pilot, right? Same, same exact situation comes up. You go through your little mental Rolodex or MP3 file or whatever it is we're using now, and, and you're like, oh, this is that, right? This is like that. So that's an automatic response. So we interrupt that response. We do it differently. We do it differently, and we keep our mindset on the goal, right? We, on, on what it is our desire is. We have desires, we have dreams, we have, we have uh, you know, just, just ambitions and things that we're moving toward. We embrace the goal without becoming involved, what the heck did I do here? Without becoming involved in the how. Does that make sense? This is falling off me. Hang on a second. <laughs> it's the elf hat. <laughs> we keep focused on the goal, not the how. Right? Not the how. It's like hurdlers. You've seen hurdlers at the Olympics. They're running. What are they looking at? They are looking at the goal. They're looking at the finish line. They're looking at the tape. They're not looking down at the obstacles that they're jumping over. They're not looking down at the hurdles. They keep their eye focused on the goal. And how? The how is up to spirit. And that's what they do. That's what they do. Whenever we are working on ourselves... What are we doing? We are trying to fix our broken places. We're trying to fix whatever's broken inside of us. We are trying in vain <laughs> to fix what is broken inside of us because, because we are whole, perfect, and complete, are we not? We're an outpicturing of the divine life. There is nothing broken in us but our perception that we're broken. This is our point of choice. We can't fix anything. Nothing's broken. Instead of trying to fix the past in the present, what we need to do is forward think like, like successful companies do. They're forward thinking. What we do is we think forward. Buckminster Fuller said it. You never change things by fighting against the existing reality. To change something, build a new model, that makes the existing model obsolete. That's what we do. We work backward. I mean, it sounds like it's backward, but we work backward. We, we, everything is guided by our vision. Everything is guided by the vision of our life, the goal, the future, isn't it? The thing that you desire, the thing you're moving toward, like those hurdlers. We begin with the end in mind. We know where we want to end up, right? We speak as if. That's what Ernest Holmes said. That's what this teaching is about. We embrace the present, and we speak in the present tense as if the thing on our heart is already there, don't we? When we teach practitioners how to pray, that's how we do it. As if it is now, because someplace it is now, right? In the mind of God, it is now. In the eternal now, it's now. We speak as if, and Ernest Holmes said, there has to come a greater vision. And to those who believe and act as though this vision were true now, it will prove true in their lives. Right? It will. We have to ask ourselves this question. Okay, we have to ask ourselves this question. What is my future self telling me to do today? What is my future self telling me to do? The future that's already accomplished what I'm wanting. The future that's already participating in what I dream of. Right? What is that future self telling me to do today? 
We allow our goal to inform us on what to do now. And that is what interrupts the false beliefs of what I believe about me, what I believe about other people, what I believe about life. That's what interrupts that. So it's not about fighting against it. It's about building a new, building a new belief system that then makes the old me, other people, and life obsolete. And they can still manage to get your attention, though, can't they? Absolutely. As soon as you come up against doing something new, the old belief about who you are kind of pops up, rears its ugly head. It will, but you don't notice it because you're focused on the goal. You have something else, so you're not obliterating it. You're not trying to stomp it out. You're just like, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> you just push it aside. We don't fight against the existing reality. We don't fight against our false beliefs, our limiting beliefs. We continue to march boldly in the direction of our goal, knowing, knowing that it's already accomplished. It's already a done deal because the universe does have our back. The universe does have our back. You know, I read a lot of, I read a lot, but I read a lot of articles on like successful people, successful people, whatever you want to define that as. People who are happy, who are fulfilled, who are totally self-actualized, who are living the lives of their dreams, that have, you know, their stuff the way they want it and are living the life that they want to live. And you know what their secret in a lot of cases when they say, well, how do you do that? How did you get there? How did you accomplish it? I keep hearing things that you may not really hear. I hear some of the most successful people say, I put all my eggs in one basket. <gasps> right? Doesn't that just go right against what you've always been taught, how you've been raised? Oh, my God, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Oh, my God, what happens if? Ah, what happens if? The great old plan B. Right? The great old plan B. Hmm. I put all my eggs in one basket. Sounds counterintuitive, but here's the thing. They say, I never made a plan B. Never made a plan B. I kept my affirmation. I kept to the goal. Now, where that took me, all over, you know, God's green earth, perhaps. Perhaps the path was windy. Perhaps it was unknown. But, but they always keep their eye on the goal. They always keep to the plan A. They don't even think about a plan B because the plan A is the one that they want to achieve. The plan A is the, where we want to be. They say, I stopped spreading all of my energy around. Some on a plan A, some on a plan B, diluting it all over the place. And I kept all of my energy focused on my plan, my goal, on my goal. And I walked through the, all the open doors that brought me closer and closer to that goal. And those happy people, those people that held the vision, like Ernest Holmes said, just held the vision without knowing how, they release the how. And Ernest Holmes said, it'll prove true in their lives. So I want to be seeing Sunday wherever I go. How about you? I want to see Sunday. This is a lovely place. This is a lovely energy. You know, where we are, we are those people. We are those successful, happy, contented, self-actualized people, right? You want to see Sunday wherever you go. You want to be like the lilies of the field. You want to know that the universe has your back. You want to be daily inspired and happy and contented and self-actualized. Just like when you're socializing here at Vision on Sundays. And that's how we do it. 
And that's how we do it. And that's how we carry the vision vibe with us wherever we go. We ask ourselves those questions. We answer them. We sit with them until answers come out of the dark, out of the mist, out of the basement of our unconscious. We find out who our saboteurs are, and then we ignore them. We don't try to fix them. We don't try to mend them. We don't try to heal them. We blow right by them because they don't exist. They are not truth. They're a false belief. We ignore them. We go for our goal. We have fun during the travel. And we go wherever it leads us, knowing that the goal is the one most achievable to us. You know, those people that, that talked about not having a plan B, you know, just A. A. A is what I want. A is what I manifest. You know, the people around them, the people that are so concerned with them, but what if, but how about, but it's reasonable too, you know? Here's the deal. You plan for the A and nothing but the A. The A is what manifests. And really, if you change your mind, then you can change the goal, right? Then you can always change it. It's not like you're stuck with A for the rest of your life either. You can change it and have fun along the way. Ernest Holmes said this, trust yourself. I love that. This is the best advice you could ever be given. Trust yourself. Have faith and confidence in your own vision to believe that you are aligned with a power greater than you are. These are the dynamic attitudes of mind which will give dignity and enthusiasm. <laughs> dignity. <laughs> I've got the nerve to say that. Anyway, which will give dignity and enthusiasm to your individuality, to your purpose, to your vision, and to your certainty of accomplishment. That's how we do it. So let's see Sunday all week long, and I'll see you back here next Sunday. Thank you. Reverend Patty and wearing that outfit today. <laughs> <laughs>